Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning again. For this episode of the Black Tuesday Podcast, our other one was somehow lost via glitch. Helena has been so gracious and to join us again for the second time today. Good morning, Helena. Good morning, my friend. How are you doing? Oh, my God. I said words I can't repeat on air. We say a lot of things here. But (laughs) since you are back, let's... Just jump right back into it. Um, I want to discuss internalized misogyny first. Can you explain what it is to, this is your chance to talk to men and educate us. Explain what it is and why do some women piss you off? Oh, wow. Um, so I. So I guess I think of internalized misogyny as sort of the things that are so um, subconscious that you don't, re- you know, reckon, but you still continue to in a sexist way, uh, either to yourself or view yourself in that way or other women. You know, there's, um, you know, I kind of think of like, how we see ourselves presented in movies and books, et cetera, and that kind of seeps into you whether you recognize it or not. Uh, so as an example, I think when we were talking earlier, I think of women defending that they um, have had an amiable relationship with or good feelings towards as internalized misogyny, as not recognizing um, sex is to men or not believe the women. You know, I think of women's hatred of Hillary Clinton and using this sort of, oh, I just can't put my finger on it, is internalized misogyny, right? When women say, you know, she's just not very feminine or I don't, or I don't like that she wears pants or, you know, that is internalized misogyny as well. Now, 
I've always wanted to ask a conservative woman, and I've have, and I've never was given a proper answer. But is it more of them subscribing to prehistoric beliefs, or is it competition? They feel threatened by a successful woman, so they need to tear her down. Oh, um, wow, that's a great question. Um, and, of course, you know, life is messy, so my answer is going to be I think it's both. You know, I, 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 do, I don't think that women always recognize it, but we are taught to compete with one another, and I think that we are often pitted against one another, in, again, in media and in real life, and, um, and it's uh, very similar to, uh, I don't know, I think that we are, I think that we're so used to that, to competing with each other for resources for men, because, again, we are sort of taught that that's, whether we want to recognize it or not, you know, we are sort of taught that that's supposed to be our goal. Um. So I think there's that, and then I think that there is, you know, I think that conservative women absolutely, especially if they're, you know, considered themselves evangelical, have subscribed to, you know, prehistoric, patriarchal views of, you know, this is my place and this is my role. And remember, you know, that I I think I've said before, I think that women are taught to make themselves proximate to power as opposed to obtaining it for themselves. And that's how uh, white women specifically, and uh, most conservative women have been taught to get that proximity. How many women do you think subscribe to the notion of a man's place is the leader of the household, the boss in the boardroom, the overall... Mm -hmm ruler of everything and is it them thinking that less of their own abilities or more of the man's abilities oh wow that is a great question yeah see I had time I have no studies to back this up I have no you know I have I've never looked into it specifically I'm going to 50% 50% because um, 53% of white women voted for Trump. Uh, uh, and, 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 um, and whether they, again, whether they recognize their internalized misogyny or their uh, white supremacy predilection, they, you know, and their, their desire to protect the hierarchy and the order, it's there. So it's a very large number of women, sadly, I think. Um, and I think you have quite a few non-conservative women who who do feel that way, uh, who are not actively fighting gender stereotypes in their own home. Is it because the, in their minds, the man provides that certain level of comfort, be it financial or otherwise, that some women don't tend to want to push that envelope. What made you want to break that glass ceiling, push the envelope, and test convention? Me, personally? Mm-hmm. You, personally. Um, I think it has to do with my role within my own family, like with my parents, and then my role as a wife and mother and who my husband is more than anything. 
I don't think that a lot of women are conscious of how they uphold or break down those deep seated beliefs. You know, I mean, we still watch the happily ever after movies, right? And whether we mock them or not, there's still this like feeling afterwards of, you know, Oh, I really wouldn't mind it if it happened that way. Um, Again, you know, COVID I think puts the spotlight on that in terms of like women taking over with um, parental duties more often than not and also making less money than men. And I think that that's the default no matter how hard we try to fight it or how progressive your household is. Now, with me, you know, I had growing up, I have two siblings by blood anyway, and um, we are all very, very different. And most people don't understand how I'm related to them in any way, shape, or form. And I was sort of groomed, for lack of a better way to put it, as the smart one. And I was naturally very fiercely independent. I liked being alone. I liked doing things alone. I was drawn to smart women, um, drawn to that, you know, I can do it on my own. And I think it has to do with the way that my father previously very much passed on traditional male gender roles and misogyny himself and I had my grandparents doing that too and I used to hear things like well you know you're not the pretty one of the family so you know you better be smart and I think those things (laughs) that formed me and I wanted to fight that because it hurt me so much and it broke me so much and that I just never you know and as a result you know it I kind of went through all the pains etc but then uh Funnily enough, when I married my husband, I think he is a better, was previously a better feminist than I was in terms of recognizing where I would face gender discrimination on a daily basis. And I would say, no, 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 I just have to work harder. And that, that was my internalized misogyny, right? That, that whole bootstrap mentality too, right? Like, no, it's not misogyny. It's me. It's truly me. Um, it's not, it's not because I'm a woman because accepting that meant having to accept that I wasn't good enough. Um, and I think that he pushed that in me, and I think that his, also his natural state of mind um, and things that he enjoys doing uh, are not uh, traditional male roles. Like, he finds ironing to be comforting. It's the first thing he does if he checks into a hotel is iron his clothing. Uh, he loves to vacuum. He enjoys cooking. He hates doing the bills. He, he, um, he um, you know, he, I, I don't know, I can't, I, there's some things I guess I won't say just because he's not, I don't know what he would be comfortable with, but um, I think that he himself breaks down gender stereotypes, and I think that um, it was very important to him, even before he met me, that we have a household that presents that way. Um, and works that way beyond our own needs and things that were important to us and the fact that we wanted children and we and we wanted certain things for children and wanted to see things normalized for them that we wished had been normalized for us. Now, as a whole, you see <laughs> the idea of <laughs> sisterhood and as a man, I watch and I look for it. I'm like, oh, you know, it should be embraced. 
Mm. For as many people as it seems from the outside as a man that, you know, uh, tout the idea of sisterhood, there is that little, the little pockets of jealousy, insecurity, and just cattiness. How do you rise above that? Well, I, I, I don't want to speak out of place, um, and I don't want to well actually you. That was very explaining. Um, there's an enormous difference, as you know, between white feminism and true intersectional feminism and being a black feminist and a black feminist female. And I don't think that white women truly have a sisterhood with one another, let alone with all women. Um, I think that black women do. So I think it's different um, if you look at different subsets of in demographics of people. I'm going to get hate mail for that. But I think it's true. <laughs> now, when we flip it towards the misogyny that from internal to external, we see Vice President Kamala Harris enduring the wrath of the unwashed, unshaved, unshowered left. And they feel as though she is the point person or the reason to blame why the $15 minimum wage isn't a thing yet. If this were Mike Pence, if this were Al Gore, if this were Dick Cheney, even if this were the first George Bush, why does it seem as though the vice president now becomes the focal point of agita stress or far left bitching? Because she's a black woman and a black woman in power. And she ruins their entire narrative. And the more she can get accomplished and get gain support, um, the more she, uh, alleviate the reality of, of, of their grievances. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not the only one that has said, you know, they were always going to come for her. They were always going to blame her. Um, and misogynoir, you know, misogynoir is real. Uh, anti-blackness is real, even amongst communities of color, non-black community, you know, um, communities and, um, you know, it's that uh, magical, you know, they can do everything trope that they did to Obama as well, and it's just going to be worse because she happens to be a woman. Um, again, Kamala Harris is a person who gets things done, okay? And her getting things done kills the narrative of so many people, and it, it, it eliminates their ability to whine instead of do. You know, and and I think that that's, that really becomes the reality of it. And they, you know, the online lab, you know, the last the ultra lab has been coming for her long before she was VP, long before even her presidential campaign, right? So they have a score to settle with her that is very long, and they that won't stop for them. And there is no taking on that responsibility themselves. So, you know, of course it has to be her fault. Why would they take themselves on? Why would they learn how government works or who crafts bills or who passes bills or, you know, math? Why would they learn what a majority is? You know, 
um, when you don't have the votes, you don't have the votes. Why would they work? Why, why, why? They, they don't want to work. You know, I think we've talked about that before. And, and if they want their bills, which I don't think they truly do, um, you got to get more Democrats in office. And you're not going to do that by putting, you know, shitty candidates up in purple areas or super red areas. That's the problem, and that's the key where it comes to the process. Because you have people like Ed Markey, who is taking the social media. He is the Massachusetts, he is the, I guess he would be the junior senator from Massachusetts. This is what he tweeted. $15 an hour is just the beginning. It is the ground floor. If we can't get it in the coronavirus relief package, we have no other option but than to, abol- to abolish the filibuster and pass a $15 minimum wage. This speaks to what pisses me off. What pisses me off is this. Why are these politicians taking the social media and complaining about mm-hmm. the minimum wage and policy when they're the ones that can actively affect policy. If they have an issue with a politician, run your dumbass down the hallway and have it face-to-face. Why does it seem like many politicians have decided to take this passive-aggressive route? You're from Jersey. There's nothing passive-aggressive about Jersey. Explain (laughs) how annoying passive-aggressive is as far as policy. Oh, my God, I hate it. I think it really – and I don't even know if it is passive-aggressive. I honestly do not believe that they sincerely want to pass the minimum wage, okay? I think that their goal is likes and retweets and and, and creating their own cult of personality that believes without them it can't get done. And so they remain in power, okay, because we don't need – I think the part that pisses me off about that tweet is, what if there wasn't a fucking pandemic, you jack off? I mean, what do you mean if if we can't pass it in the COVID relief bill? You guys have been talking about 15 minimum wage forever. Bernie said, just give me the pen. I can do it. Well, why do you need a coronavirus bill to do it then? Do you not know how to whip votes? Do you not know how to write a bill? Do you not know what the F your job is? Between Marky, Bernie. That bothers me because it is. It's the golden promises. It's the promised candidacy. And you haven't done shit. I want to blame Kamala Harris. She's been in office for like 30 days. Which, by the way, she's the MVP. She's just not, she's not a senator any longer. That's what people tend to forget, that being the vice president, she's no longer a senator, so her the reach may be different, and yet you got your Rokanas, you have your Young Turks, you have various sundry douchebags who line up and run their salad tossers about various things. <laughs> I'm just saying, because... If I have to I'm read, if I have to read, well, Bernie would have did this. I'm 46 years old. 
Bernie Sanders has been in power since I was six years old. I had one color hair, and it was an afro when he started his his whole <laughs> journey. Now I have a shaved head and no afro, and he post offices. That's his claim to fame. Post offices and big promises. And amendments. And amendments. And a whole flurry of clowns who think that he should be president. When I was 22 years old, when I was 22 years old, I slipped on ice and I scraped my elbow. That scab on my elbow would make a more fitting president of Bernie Sanders. Damn. It is what it is. I couldn't agree more. You know, yeah. You know, I... I, uh, I I don't think I can. I'm not going to argue with you on that one. I mean, you know how I feel about Bernie. And, you know, I, again, you know, that comes down to who's a doer and who speaks to grievance and who's anti-black because Kala Harris is how old? And she's accomplished more than him? She's like 56. He's like 356. Millions. Bernie exactly. is his own era. It's like, and yet, and people say that Biden was too old. They're like a year apart. They also said no more old white men, and then they were like Bernie. You know, they they they're so wrapped up. Again, it's it's anti-blackness. It's grievance politics. It's laziness. It's a lack of civics education. Um, and, and again, I'm not saying I'm better than them, okay? I'm just more honest about myself, I think. And I tend to recognize my own deficits, and I'm working to try to overcome them and change them, okay? But they have no deficits. They know everything. They know everything. They want everything. They know how to do everything. But uh, but then they pick someone who doesn't know how to do jack. And I think that, again, the more I learn about the things that I wasn't taught in school – the angrier I become with them, to be frank, okay? Because we all know it's bullshit, right, that Bernie didn't march on Martin Luther King. We all know that's bullshit. The next part that bothers me the most is somebody claiming to have taken Martin Luther King's message and movement to heart while living in Chicago and then picking up their lily-white ass, white adjacent ass, and moving to super-duper white Vermont and doing nothing for any of the very small percentage of black citizens in that state. And speaking nothing of coalitions or black people or anybody that isn't white. How the fuck did you take that away from what, I'm sorry, this is a potty mouth day for me, but how did you take that away from what Dr. King preached? How? It's, the followers too. You have the squad types. You have, like I mentioned, Rokana. We have even people in media who are taking unnecessary shots because they want everything to happen in a second. They don't realize that the Biden administration is going to have to undo four years of Trump fuckery and garbage. Yeah. They have to undo mess after mess after mess. I just wish that some of these people were more concerned about exfoliating and lotion than bitching about 
policy that they are too stupid to understand. I just also the library is free. I'm sure somewhere on microfiche, aren't they? They love like retro hippie stuff, right? There's somewhere there's a microfiche of of you know it's I'm only a bill. I'm sitting here in Capitol Hill. They can learn how legislation works, but they don't want to. And what's worse is that you have a Rokana who's an elected official and Markey and Bernie tweeting lies, falsehood, false narratives, and feeding their little cult of personality. And that's why I say I'm not sure that they genuinely want to get policy accomplished. And again, why I will support Kamala Harris until my last breath. Because not only does she support actually getting policy passed, okay, she also supports mentoring the next group of legislators to make sure they get policy passed. And she also makes sure that she knows the the shoulders on which she stands and honors that. And it's pervasive, like I said, media, you got your Chris Hayes, your Sam Steins, your Dave Weigel, dudes, just dude bros who who want to sit there, like, sit there smoke subpar weed, and then complain about the system where throughout the course of their alabaster existences on this planet, they have benefited from said system, yet Mm -hmm. they believe that they can talk to a black person. They can talk to a Latino. They, They can talk to an Asian person and tell them that, hey, we may know more than you about the system and how it affects you. Yeah. Get all the way the fuck out. Just it just mm-hmm. go away. Just take it elsewhere and it is frustrating. Now, we always tend to wrap up with fun and when the glitch happened in the previous episode, I asked you a question about your Easter egg or your Easter candy preferences. I know that you like Cadbury eggs. I, oh God, I just. <laughs> For anyone consist- listening that you guys <laughs> miss, okay, first of all, I'm very pro Reese's peanut butter anything. So Reese's peanut butter bunnies, let's just talk about how delicious they are. Yummy. But if you are listening, Mr. Big's here was all, I don't like Cadbury eggs, which is just the wrong take. And I happen to like Cadbury eggs, and then I realize, oh, maybe it's because I like things like cream in my mouth. And then Mr. Bay could not stop laughing. <laughs> because apparently I'm 12, and I think that's funny. I, I just don't care. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. It's so, yeah, but yeah. But, I would still love you for liking Cadbury eggs since we share the mutual hatred of the peeps. I can't. Just the, just the consistency of that marshmallow. It just, oh, it just, it's wrong. It's, it's just wrong. Like, give me a Reese's, a Reese's peanut butter egg and I'm good. Just, or jelly beans, which, oh, the topic. One of my closest friends, she likes black jelly beans, like the licorice ones. What? Those are her favorites. And I used to tease her about how she has a proclivity of putting black things in her mouth, but that's just another story. 
know. <laughs> now, how can wow? This is the worst transition ever. How can people contact you via social media? <laughs> I am uh, on Twitter at Rudis Tudor. R U D E S T T O O T E R. I am more wonderful perverted jokes you know can be seen there most of the time <laughs> there is <laughs> I mean oh lord <laughs> as always Helena thank you so much for joining us on this episode thank of you. the Black Tuesday podcast be good to yourselves be good to each other stay away from black jelly beans stay away from cabaret eggs Stay away from any liberal... But don't stay away from putting things in your mouth consensually, okay? It's been a hard pandemic. You get it where you can. (laughs) Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. (laughs) Uh